welcome to Apostle Frederick Kaluluma's podcast channel. This Sunday, Apostle continues in the Word of His Grace series as he preaches a sermon titled, The Chastisement of Peace. Grab your Bibles, your pen and notepad as we join Apostle Frederick from City of the Lord Church in Lusaka, Zambia. Be blessed. going to take some time and just soak in his presence. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We're grateful, Lord. We're so grateful. Lord, we're grateful. All the saints and angels, they bow before your throne. All the elders cast their crowns before.
share with you a very important message. It's a message that you'll have to hear. And I believe this message has come at the right time, at a time when we need it most as believers, at a time when we need it most as the world at large. And I've entitled my sermon, it's very simple, I've entitled it, The Chastisement for Our Peace. The chastisement for our peace. If you've read the scriptures, you can already tell which one my main scripture is. So we are still in the grace series. And in this series, last week we defined grace as a divine exchange. So we defined it as a divine exchange. And so we talked about how grace shows us what Jesus became so that we should become. Jesus did not suffer for free. He did not suffer for free. It shows us what he became so that we could become. And this morning, I'm going to share with you. Last week, we talked about how Jesus became a curse so that we could be blessed. We also talked about how Jesus became sin so that we could be righteous we could become the righteousness of god he became so that we can become the bible says i commend you to god and to the word of his grace which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among those that are sanctified so he became so that we could become and so this morning i want us to go to the book of isaiah 53 it's really our main text and we're going to read from verse 4. It will be, let's read from verse 1 to 4, and later on we'll continue and read the rest. But then the Bible tells us who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Would you like the arm of the Lord to be revealed in your life? You have to believe God's report. You have to believe the report. You have to believe the report. You have to believe the message. And I must add that the extent to which you believe this message will determine how much of God's arm you will see in your life. And then now, 
the man of God begins to describe Jesus. And this is what it says about him. It doesn't tell us who he is in his glory. We already know who he is in his glory. We already know who he is. We can tell from the book of John chapter 1 verse 1. It says in the beginning was the word. So we know from the beginning he's been the word. We know he's the same as God. We know according to Hebrews um, chapter 1 that he's the exact radiance of his being. We know according to Philippians chapter 2 that he had the same attributes that made God God. But look at what he became so that we could become. It says, for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. Look at what it says. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Can you imagine that's what he became? The Bible is literally saying there is nothing when you look at him to desire him. Can you imagine who would desire a man who's blooded up at the cross? Who would desire a man who's been whipped with all those lashes? How do you think his face was looking? Don't you think he was disfigured with all those beatings? Who would desire such a man? Who would gladly boast and say, that's my king? I don't know about you, but that's my king. I, when I look at that, I see the beautiful one. So it goes on to say, he is despised and rejected of men. And look at what he became, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. You may be listening to me and you're thinking, there is no one who understands what I'm passing through. There is no one who understands what I'm feeling. I tell you, my brother, my sister, there is somebody I know who's well acquainted with grief. Well acquainted with grief. He knows what grief is like. He's been there, done that. And it says, and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. I love this. Look at, look at this. It says, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. You don't need to carry those griefs and sorrows anymore. He has borne them and he has carried them. And it says, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. And our main text for today, look at what it says. It says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised or crushed for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Usually when we read this scripture, we focus on the last part that says, by his stripes we are healed. The first two parts are talking about sin. It talks about transgression and iniquities, things that are on the outside and things that are on the inside, inherent sin and sins that we can see committed. And for both of them, he took the penalty. But that was last week's teaching. For this week, we're going to focus on the next part that says, the chastisement of our peace. You know, usually, we sometimes struggle to understand the Bible because sometimes we may just be a little lazy to read through a certain wonderful book called a dictionary. So there's actually such a thing as just checking what the word means. And you know, people have been reading this for years, no idea what the word chastisement means. Praise God. <laughs> now, for you to get the picture of what a chastisement is, let me mention. When a person does something wrong, they usually have to make amends to be at peace. So usually when there's a moment of conflict, you notice that somebody will punish another person until they make amends for what they've done wrong. And punishments come in different ways. For example, your baby might punish you by crying. It's a punishment. They know you don't like it when they're crying. They know you don't like it when they're nagging. So they'll punish you by doing that. 
You find some little kid who's seven, eight, who will punish you by just screaming about until you buy them what you want, what they want. They are punishing you. It's a chastisement. We can go further with this. You find if maybe, let's say somebody is in a relationship, maybe they're engaged or they're dating someone or they're married to the person. If they've done something wrong, you'll find they'll receive the silent treatment for three days. That's the chastisement. Until the person realizes, what well, I'm sorry. What are you sorry for? How do I know that you're sorry? And the guy has to keep, I don't know why I'm saying the guy, but nevertheless, <laughs> the gentleman has to keep explaining and explaining and explaining. What does he experience for those few days? A chastisement. That's a chastisement. We can give further examples. You find if a person has committed a crime and they are put in, in, in jail for two years, that two years is a chastisement. If the government is saying, for you to have peace with the country, you must suffer this for two years. Afterwards, you can come out, you can have peace. Chastisements come in many ways. Frowning at a person is a chastisement. You're trying to tell them what you're doing is wrong. I don't like what you're doing. You look filthy, so I'll frown at you. That's a chastisement. So chastisements are in different levels. Now, can you imagine the level of chastisement we needed to go through? The level of punishment. What we needed to satisfy for God's wrath to pass by us. For us to have peace. Now, the word peace, I hope we've understood chastisement. It's a punishment. It's a penalty you have to pay. You have to satisfy the person you've aggrieved. And now, you know, the word peace is the Hebrew word shalom. Shalom. So it says, so what, what it's trying to say is, here is this thing called shalom. For several reasons, you don't have it. God is not happy. God has got his wrath. Give me Isaiah chapter 52 and verse 1. Actually, um, 59, verse 1 and 2. It says, Behold, the hand of the Lord is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear. Uh -huh. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. So a human being never had peace with God. If God answered their prayer, it was just out of his mercy. Otherwise, he had no right they had no right to demand his attention because their sins and iniquities were separating them from God. So there was no peace with God. They needed to be chastised. They needed to suffer some punishment. But who can bear the load of God? Who can bear the punishment God gives? Oh, praise be to God for Jesus. Let's go on. Is somebody following me? Come on, comment, share this, spread this message. Everybody needs to hear this. So praise God. So now, what is peace? We've described a chastisement as a punishment for doing something wrong. It's something that you have to make an amend. So you can punish someone by frowning. You can punish someone by giving them attitude. You can punish someone through prison. The whole essence of punishment is to make someone suffer so that they realize what they did is wrong and they don't do it again. It's like they have to make amends. It's penance. It's where, okay, your story, prove it. So you find all of a sudden this gentleman has to buy like a bouquet of flowers which within two, three days um, will not be operational anymore and, and, and all those things. And, and you may have to get a loan to buy a few other things just to prove that he is sorry. What's happening? He's being chastised. And usually when you're being chastised, you have no rights. 
have you observed that? You have no rights. In that period, the person doesn't have the right to say, hey, you didn't greet me today. No, no, they are the aggrieved party. You're not going to turn things around. Unless, of course, you're trying to chastise um, a certain gender. So now, the Bible says the chastisement of our peace was upon him. Now, what is peace? Peace is the Hebrew word shalom. Peace is shalom. It's completeness. It's wholeness. It's shalom. It's peace. It's fullness. It's wholeness. It's shalom. And I'm going to go further to define peace. But before that, I wanted to talk a bit more about this chastisement. Peace is completeness. It's wholeness, okay? But you understand soon. It's more than just tranquility and flowers and slow songs. No. It's, it's bigger than that. But let's talk a bit about this word chastisement. My question is, how far did God go in chastising Jesus? How far? Let's go back. You know, Isaiah 53 is important. They call it the gospel according to Isaiah. And I believe Isaiah 53 is the foundation of faith. Because it starts by saying, who has believed our report? And when you read over in Romans 10, it says, uh, who has believed our report and to, and to whom? Are, no, it says, but they have not all believed our report. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed us? In short, the faith being talked about in Romans 10, the foundation is Isaiah 53. So we should all read it. It's the gospel according to Isaiah, since 600 years before. Now let's continue. We ended on the part that says, by his stripes we are healed. Usually we end there, but that's not where it ended. Let's go on. Yeah. And we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Can I just show you something about Bible reading? Do you know that for us now as believers, when we read this, we read this in past tense? Can I prove that to you? Give me Isaiah 53 verse 5 again. In Isaiah 53 verse 5, he was wounded for our transgressions. Uh -huh. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Have you noticed that the word healed there is present tense? It's saying we are healed. Now, what's very interesting about that portion of scripture is that it was not written during the time of Jesus. It was written about 200 years before, 600 years before, actually. And yet the man of God is saying, by his stripes, you are healed. But that's 600 years before. Praise God. Somebody say glory. So 600 years before, Isaiah is writing in present tense. The question is, how deep was this guy in the prophetic? What really was he seeing? Can you imagine he's saying, oh, can, can you imagine how he looked like the weirdest person around in that period? Somebody say glory. Say it one more time. Praise God. You can type glory one more time. Now, when you read the same verse in the future after Jesus has died, I want us to see it from Peter's version. Let's read 1 Peter chapter number 2. Verse 24. The Bible says, Who himself bore our sins, have you seen this past tense now? In his own body on that tree, that we having died to sins. You see that? It happened in, in the past. It happened in Isaiah. 
might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. It's now in the past. It's interesting. I'm saying this because I don't want you to, when you're reading Isaiah 53, you start thinking all of a sudden, the sins that Jesus dealt with, you still have them. You have to learn to interpret the Bible well. Isaiah 53, let's go to verse 6. So you should read what the Bible says about, know what, that this is the Bible talking about the old me. Why is it important to read that you appreciate just what Jesus did, what he went through? But know what's talking about you. Because if any man be in Christ, is a new creation. Old things have passed away. So it says, we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Yeah, imagine that. It's like a person goes somewhere and here are a million thieves. And they are doing all sorts of wrong things. And then when the police come, everyone scampers except the one man who did nothing wrong. And then all the punishment for all of them is put on that one man. We are currently 7.9 billion in the world. I, I wonder how many we've been if you are to count from the ages. All the iniquity was laid on one man. All of it. Let's go on. He was oppressed. He was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. Look at the passion in that. Next verse. And they made his grave with the wicked. Give me the NLG. I want you to see how this is talking about Jesus. He had done no wrong. Back to the... Yeah. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone. But he was buried like a criminal and he was put in a rich man's grave. Whose grave did he... Whose grave was he put in? When you go 600 years later. He was a rich man. Praise God. Let's go back. Verse 10. I just want us to understand this. Let's read it from the New King James then we'll read the NLT. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. The word for bruise there is the same as crush. I want you to imagine this. It pleased God to bruise Jesus. There's a reason why. It says, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, oh my God, we were used to booze, we were used to cows, we were used to lamb, but then his soul was made an offering for sin. Not just his body, everything about him was made an offering for sin. He shall see his seeds, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Give me the NLT. I want you to see what that means. Why was his soul made an offering? It says... Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he shall have many descendants. Who? Me and you. And he will enjoy a long life and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his heart. Hey, nothing dies in my hands. Oh, glory. Next verse. Next verse. Yeah. Now, give me the New King James first. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. 
I want you to understand this because in doing this, you understand the plan of God. It says, he shall see the labor of his soul. Who is he talking about? The one who was bruised. It says, he shall see the labor of his soul. The King James says, he shall see the travail of his soul. What's travailing? Travailing is this deep anguish. Like when a woman is giving birth to something, she travails. It's deep anguish. And so Jesus went into deep anguish. Remember the Garden of Gethsemane. And it says he shall see the labor of his soul and is satisfied. When a woman is about to give birth, all she feels is the pain. All she feels is the anguish. But the moment she holds a child in her hands, there is no moment she says it wasn't worth it. And then she's got a problem. Praise God of which you'd have to come see me for prayers. But ideally, the moment she holds that child in her hand, the moment she holds that child in her hand, she sees that and is satisfied. So when Jesus looks at us, he's satisfied. He says it was worth it. And it says, by his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. How do people get justified? To be justified means to be made righteous. Give me the new King James. And it says, and because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous. If you've heard my teaching on knowledge, you understand why the word experience is being used there. It says, by knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many. I praise God I'm justified by him. And how do you get justified? It's by knowledge. Next verse from the, from the New King James. I just thought we should read it all. We're ending on this one. It says, Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he has poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgression. Saints of the living God, let me have the NLT, then we'll go back to verse 11. I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for the rebels. Now go back to verse 11 in the New King, in, in, give me the King James, verse 11. I just want us to appreciate this. We are talking about the punishment he went through. It wasn't a light punishment. It says he shall see the travail of his soul and be satisfied. Jesus went through anguish, the travail of his soul, that anguish, the satisfaction of that is when he looks at us, when he looks at the fruits. Because I want you to see this. There's a part that touched me when I was reading, verse 10. Because remember, they have the same mind. It says, he, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Why did it please the Lord to bruise him? Not because God is angry at us. He pleased the Lord to bruise him because for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It pleased God to bruise him. So do you see that there was a chastisement? Someone had to bear the suffering. Someone had to do the penance. Someone had to come be the go-between so that Isaiah 59 verse 1 to 2 should not apply to a believer. Now for us, what does it say? It says, for us, Listen, look at Isaiah 59, verse 2. It says, The hand of God is not too short to save, nor is ear too deaf to hear. But your sins have separated him. They've hid his face from you. But then after Jesus went through the punishment, what does the Bible say about us? Romans 5, verse 1. Let me go back to the book of James. Romans 5, verse 1. The Bible says, Woohoo! 
therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What's the difference between Romans 5 and Isaiah 59? It's what Jesus did. He took the punishment. God is not giving us a silent treatment. God is not turning away from us. Because remember, God cannot bear with sin. No. Now he can say, come, let us reason together. Why? Who is the go-between? It's Jesus. Who, is, who took our place? Who took our punishment? It's Jesus. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. Praise God. So I'm going to talk about a bit now about what peace is. I hope you've got a bit of an understanding of the fact that it pleased God to bruise him. Jesus was bruised. He was crushed. Something had to happen to him. He was punished. He was punished for our sake. We deserved the cross. We deserved to be punished. But Jesus was put on that cross for our sake. He became so that we could become. He bore our punishment so that we can bear the rewards of his labor. And the best way to appreciate a gift is to acknowledge it and use it. So peace is the word shalom. Peace is about completeness. I was meditating on the word peace and I was asking the Lord, how do you define peace? And I heard this in my spirit. Peace is being in the right frame of mind, heart, body, and spirit. And that causes you to function in your God-given purpose. I should say that again. Peace is when you're in the right frame of mind, body, soul, and spirit. And that causes you to function according to your God-given purpose. I can show you. Give me first Thessalonians 5, verse 23. Look what it says. Woo-hoo. 5, verse 23. Now may the God of peace sanctify you completely, and may your whole soul, spirit, and body be preserved and blameless at the coming of the Lord. It's shalom. It's completeness. It involves your mind. It involves your frame of mind. It involves your emotions. It involves your spirit, man. Yes, it involves your bank account. Yes, it involves your health. Because peace is completeness. It's where you're in the right frame of mind. You're in the right frame of everything is well, physically, spiritually, emotionally. That's peace. And Jesus took the punishment for that peace. So it is wholeness. I also want you to understand that peace is a force. You know, people think peace is just like this thing. My friend, Jesus is in a storm and he says, peace be still. What happened? Peace swallowed up the storm. Peace is a force. It's a force. It's a force that's able to swallow up storms. Every storm in your life is swallowed up by the peace of God in Jesus' name. It's a force. It's a force. It's a force. Don't take peace lightly. Jesus had to suffer for it. It's a force. If it could swallow up God's punishment, what can't it swallow up? It's a force that can swallow up depression. It's a force that can swallow up sickness. It's a force that can swallow up corona. It's a force. Peace is a force. Never see peace as just, you know, you're seated and the birds are chipping. There is something that swallowed up everything else for the birds to be chipping. Kelama Santoko Shakatapaha. Peace is a force. I speak peace in your life. In Jesus' name. Listen. Peace. I've told you it's completeness. I've told you it's a force. Peace is a guard. 
peace can guard you. Look at Philippians chapter number 4, verse 6. The Bible says, be anxious for nothing. So anxiety is not from God. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. Someone may ask, when you talk about anxiety, when you talk about depression, what are you talking about? Now, of course, there are different terms for all these things, but they all stem from, from something, from a big something, which is called fear. Okay? It's, it's called fear. This is where you've got a fearful expectation of the future. It, 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 it becomes consistent. It becomes a frame of mind. It becomes a frame of heart where you are expecting the worst. So usually people end up losing nothing to live for. And in times like this, where there's crisis and the like, depression usually kicks in when you think things will never change. It's a response from you when you believe things will never change. Now I'm telling you, the Bible is saying, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, to hope the God you've got peace with. <laughs> Let your request be known to God. Uh -huh. Next verse. And it says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. That shows you that this peace of God is not mental. This peace of God is not psychological. Praise God for all those things, but there is a higher realm. And you know, there are moments where this earthly realm just won't do for you. It says the peace of God, which surpasses understanding. It's where someone is wondering, how can you be okay? How can you be calm? How can you be... How can you be fine? There's a peace that surpasses understanding. There's a peace that bursts your brain. Praise God. As the psalmist put it, I, I've just forgotten, but there's a, there's a Nigerian song I heard. Uh, something like, all the things you did do, they, 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 they bust my brain, or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. Praise God. It's a peace that surpasses understanding. And the Bible says it will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So this peace stands and becomes your guard. The world throws its things at you. It says, no, you can't enter. This one throws it, you can't enter. This one throws it, you can't enter. You can't enter. It guards your heart. It guards your mind. I can tell you, in the pandemic, but, you know, for those, some of you may be listening to this 50 years from now. As I'm preaching this, you know, the earth is in a certified global pandemic. And I've realized something. The fear spreads faster than the virus. But there's a peace that can guard your heart. There's a peace that can guard your mind. When thoughts come of what will happen tomorrow, there's a peace that guards you. How does it guard you? Through Christ Jesus. Before you know it, you're singing, because he lives I can face tomorrow. Why? Because I know he holds my future. And life is worth the living just because he lives. <laughs> it's that, that's the kind of peace we're talking about. It can guard you. Apart from that, peace can rule you. Not just guarding you, but ruling you. Colossians chapter number 3, verse 15. <laughs> you know, the Bible says, guard your heart, for in it lie the world springs of life. So meaning, if you can rule your heart, you no longer have to be at the realm of your heart being deceitful. There's a way you can rule it. Colossians 3.15. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, which also you were called in one body and be thankful. Can you imagine the peace of God, the shalom of God, the completeness of God can rule in your heart? Do you think that heart will be deceitful? 
let the peace of God rule in your heart. And if something rules your heart, it rules your life. Because guard your heart, for in it lie the world springs of life. So here is peace guarding your heart, and then there's also peace ruling your heart. Blessed be God. And this peace, this peace is not the worldly one. The worldly peace needs empirical data. And you know, the worldly peace, it's, it's very hard to obtain because if you've studied the earth, there's always something. If it's not, if it's not this, it's that. I hear there's now a hunter virus or something like that. If it's not that, it's that. Even the most peaceful countries record crime. It's just, the world can't assure you of 100% safety. They're not sure whether an asteroid will hit the earth. They're not sure whether this will this. Maybe the sun will fall down one day. Maybe this and this and that. The, the world just can't assure you of peace and safety. But you know why we need this peace? Because it keeps you cheerful. Look at what Jesus said in John 16, verse 33. He, Jesus prophesied. He told us it's a biblical prophecy. It says, these things have spoken to you. That's why you must know what has been spoken to you, brother. You must know what has been spoken to you. It says, these things have spoken to you that you may have peace. And it says, in the world you have trouble. We're already told what we'll find in the world. That's why the Bible says, cursed is a man who depends on a man. If you think that your peace will come because of this one being president, what happens when you're no longer president? If you think that your peace will come because your brother is the boss of that company, what happens when he's no longer the boss? My friend, the Bible tells us in the world you have trouble. Check all the news channel. Right now, the biggest thing going on in the world is depression. Why? It's because of what people are finding in the world. Everything is about competition. You're either not handsome enough or you're not beautiful enough or you're married late or you're married early or you or you don't have the best car or you've got the best of car, you don't have the best money. Or the best. Hey, there's just something to depress people. And right now, even those who believe they are the elite are, are trembling. They're fearing. You know why they're fearing? They're fearing because there's this thing and it's touching all sorts of people. It doesn't mind. And, and you know what? <laughs> I was thinking about it yesterday. And I thought about the scripture which talks about Satan. And you know, this is just like one of his little ones. And the Bible says, when we look at him, people wonder, is this the one who made the earth shake? Hey, so you, you can't put your trust in the world. It will find a reason to disappoint you. That's why if all you do 24 hours a day is watch news, you will be the most paranoid and depressed person. And you've got a point you'll find this. Maybe there's something wrong with our food. Maybe it's not being preserved well. I, I, I saw an article. I, I think I saw a video that was saying juice is not so healthy. Next, you find juice is the healthiest. Next, you find it's healthy to take water. No, it's not so healthy to take water. No, some people believe you should bath every day, but there are some very um, scientific articles that are saying bath twice a week. All, all I'm trying to say is, in this world, you will have trouble. They don't even agree on anything. I'm telling you, you can watch a video today that can make you a vegetarian. Afterwards, you can go watch another one that will show you red meat is the way. The other guys have been lying. Praise God that we can eat all things as long as we give it to God with thanksgiving. What I'm trying to say is Jesus already told us what we'd find in the world. 
He said, in this world you have trouble. But he says, what? Be of good cheer. So he says, I've told you these things. So if you want to find peace, where do you go? In the word of God. Go to what? He said, he said, I've told you these things so that you in me you may have peace. In the world you have trouble. But be of good cheer. Why? Because I've overcome the world. Wow. Meaning the person we are in. The person we are in. You'll see it in our next phrase. You'll see it in our next phrase. So here is a, a human being. This human being has got the following troubles. Number one, this human being didn't have peace with God. God is not happy with them. Number two, this human being is dealing with a frustrated earth. How many of you know the earth is frustrated? The earth is frustrated. So this human being, God didn't have peace with him too. The earth is frustrated. It produces viruses. It produces uh, insects that can damage them. It, the water suddenly can kill them. The earth was not made to be like that. And you know, the Bible tells us that the earth is longing to join the glorious liberty of the saints. So the saints are not just liberated. They are gloriously liberated. So this human being has got trouble with God, trouble with the earth, maybe trouble with other people, and trouble with themselves. I think the big trouble with themselves, other people, one or two. Some may matter, some may not. When this person comes to God, Jesus took the punishment for their sin. So the first thing that he does is he opens a way for them to have peace with God. So they've got what? Peace with God. And you see that in Romans 5 verse 1, where the Bible says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I'd like us to take a moment and think about it. Can you imagine that when you're justified by faith, and how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And we read in Isaiah that through his knowledge, he will justify many. That shows you you can't have faith without knowledge. So now, can you imagine that we now have peace with God? No wonder the Bible says we can approach him boldly. Imagine you can go before God and you're not afraid. You don't feel inferior. You don't feel like a lesser being. By lesser being, I mean like a lesser class of beings. For example, I respect my parents, but I don't feel like a dog in their presence. Imagine you can go before God and you feel like you belong. You belong because you've got peace with God. Think about that. Peace with God. Ooh, that's why you can lift up your hands. You know, there's a song I love. Um, it goes like this. It goes, um, uh, there's, a, there's a part of it that I really, really, really love. Uh, something like this. Um, I could not come near your presence and I could never sing your song It's your blood that makes the difference in me and made a way for me to enter your throne. I've missed that one part. Aha, let's go. It says, Who am I to sing your praises? Child God. Who am I to worship you? It's your blood that makes the difference in me. Made a way to enter into your throne. Then he goes, 
I could not come near your presence And I could never sing your song By your sacrifice on Calvary's street Is the reason I could cry out today Just think about that, that's okay Think about that Think about that You never had the right to access but then Jesus took the punishment. Never forget Jesus took the punishment. The day you realize that you'll never take a worship moment right. You have peace with God. Now, if you've got peace with God, you know, peace with God is the greatest thing because it's eternal. It's eternal. And then after that, not only does he do that, he also gives you his peace. So firstly, he, he created a way for us to have peace with God, right? Then secondly, he gave you his peace. Look at this. John 14, verse 27. What does Jesus say to his disciples? It says, peace I live with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So not only has he made a way for you to have peace with God, he's given you his peace. You know, it gets bigger. Can I show you? Look at what he goes on to say. Number three. He becomes your peace. <laughs> Look at this. Ephesians 2 verse 14. <laughs> what does it say? Koramasantaya. The Bible says 14. For he himself is our peace. He himself is our peace. So think about that. He's, he's, he's made peace between you and God. He's given you his peace. Then you check on the inside and see the peace he's given you and you realize he's given you himself. He himself has become our peace. And the one who's become our peace is the one who has overcome the world. No wonder he can say, I've told you these things because in this world you have trouble. But be of good cheer. In me you have peace. Why? Be of good cheer for I've overcome the world. Because he himself has become our peace. And... You know what's interesting? He's also delegated that right for us to declare peace. Can you, you know that uh, the Bible says the first Adam, I want to just show you something about what kind of Adam you're in. Give me 1 Corinthians chapter number 15 and verse 45. Oh, caca. Ooh. Verse 45. The first Adam became a living being. But what does it say about the second? It says, the second became a life-giving spirit. Now, the new creation has been patterned after the second Adam. So the new creation is a life-giving spirit. You know that. I think I, I should do a teaching on that. That's why Peter can say, such as I have, I give to you. So he's not giving you such that when you remove it, it goes out. No, he's giving you the ability to create as well. That's why he could say, such as I have a, a gift to you. So the peace he has given you, you can give it. Let's prove it. Luke chapter 10. He sends his disciples. By this period, they're not even saved. It's delegated authority. In verse 3, he says, go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Uh-huh. Carry neither money bag, knapsack, nor sandals, and greet no one along the road. 
as I pastor walking with a serious face, we are just greeting no one along the road when entering church, except those predicted. He says, but whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house. Next verse. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. It even says your peace. If not, it will return to you. Can you imagine? It's measurable. You can actually give it out. So we can lift our hands and, and speak over Lusaka, speak over Zambia, speak over Africa. We can speak over the world and say peace. Peace. We can say peace be still. We can command storms to be swallowed up. So he became, he got our punishment so that we can have the reward. And what's our reward? We are now sons of peace. We can now give this peace away. We have already been told what is found in the world. There are people who believe that the end has come. It's not what the Bible says. Give me Matthew 24. Are we in the last days? Yes. This week, I saw one of the greatest signs that were in the last days. And no, the sign was not the virus. Give me Matthew 24. I want us just to see this. And we're going to read from verse, verse 3. From, from verse 4. Jesus answered, take heed that no one deceives you. Don't be deceived. Uh-huh. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive men. By the way, Later on, it talks about false prophets and false Christ. False Christ may not all bear the name of Jesus. Some of them may bear a politician's name. Some of them are not a religious leader. A false Christ is a false messiah. Some of them will come on talk shows and say, Jesus is not the way to God. as being a false Christ. Some of them come in the name of an ideology. The future is female. That's false. The future is human. All those, those are false ideologies spread by false prophets. And they've got big platforms. They've got millions of people that listen to them. People who brought in things like abortion, brought in things like uh, all these wrong things that God condemns, are they not false prophets? If they cause people to believe another way, and their punishment is bad because Jesus said, Woe to him who leads my children astray. It would be better for him to have a rock tied to his neck and be thrown in the sea than the punishment that will come to that one. So if you've been in a place where you've led people astray, ask for forgiveness now. And it says, You will hear of wars. There's war in Yemen. Rumors of wars. There are rumors of wars among certain countries I can't mention. See that you're not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. I mean, that's not the end. Uh-huh. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, there will be pestilences, those are plagues, pandemics, and earthquakes in various places. Guess what? Uh-huh. And these are the beginning of stories. They're not even the end. It's just the beginning. Next. And they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. You'll be hated by all nations for a namesake. Look at how Christians are persecuted all over. Some physically, some emotionally, some with words. Everyone wants to speak against us. But right now they are crying to us to pray to our God. How sad it must be to be an atheist in this period. Where your only hope is the health workers. And the health workers, 
incredible have those people. But if you see the statistics they've shown, like the health workers are just as human. That's why they're getting affected as well. How sad is it if that's your only hope? Next verse. And then many will be offended and betray one another and will hate one another. And many false prophets will rise up and deceive me. And because of lawless, because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end will be saved. Now, what will be the end of the age? Uh -huh. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. That's the only thing that can bring the end. The gospel being preached in all nations. So you want us to get out of here? Let's preach the gospel everywhere. Let's sponsor the gospel. Let's go everywhere. Let's preach it. Let's use technology. Let's spread this message. Clearly, I, I believe that Matthew 24 verse 14 cannot be achieved without technology. And that's why I'm saying one of the greatest signs of the end I saw it when 3 billion people tuned into a global prayer meeting. I, I, I'm tempted to change my message and go into eschatology because right now I was about to start talking about those who, about the rapture, how it talks about uh, what should happen and how it would be so sad for those who are pregnant and the rapture happens because they'll have nowhere to run and it says two will be working in a meal, one will be taken, the other one left. <laughs> Obviously, that is husband and wife are lying down on the same bed, one is taken, the other one left. The church must be raptured first. So while we are here, Let's, be, let's declare peace to the world. How else will they miss us? Let's declare peace. Let's grab as many of them as possible. You're watching me right now, and you've not given your life to Jesus. I want you to lift your hands, and I want you to say after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross so that I could be free. Today I give you my life. Make me a new creation and make me born again. If you've said that prayer, you've just received Jesus as your Lord. As simple as it is, that's what God uses. Through those words, the whole, the whole lot of the Son of God has come into your life. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to write to us. I want you to send a message and write to us and just tell us you've given your life to Jesus. You can send your message to the platform you're watching from, whether it's Facebook whether it's, uh, if you're listening to a podcast, just search for Apostle Frederick Kaluluma on any of the platforms and you can send us a message. You can email us on our podcast, on the description. You'll see it written how you can get in touch with us. God loves you. And if you're watching this years from now, you're listening to this years from now, this same message is just as potent as it was 2,000 years ago. And I'm going to take my mo a moment and pray for you for peace. Remember this. Jesus tells us, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. So the peace is available. And we are told how to access it. Not so. We are told, I've told you these things. So meaning it's by his word. And then we are told, be anxious for nothing but pray. So meaning by prayer. Such a message. This message deserves to be heard by a million people. Thank you. From your home, peace is manifesting in you. Depression, I rebuke you. Anxiety, I rebuke you. Anything that affects the wholeness of the mind, the wholeness of the body, the wholeness of the soul, the wholeness of the spirit. Any person that's been oppressed by a demon spirit, I command that spirit now to go. 
in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus kula mashen take his paluku shoto dodos you bring life to the hopeless soul you are strength when it overgoes the wrong you are ever present help in times of need my lord so we never fall you are ever present help in times of need my lord receive peace in the name of jesus stretching out your hands to the the peace of god which surpasses all understanding. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Stretching out your hands to heal all the wounded one. The wounded one. And we'll sing peace in the name of Jesus. Peace. Speak to every storm. In the name of Jesus, oh, peace, in the name of Jesus, peace, in the name of Jesus, peace, in the name of Jesus, oh, we say peace, oh, peace, in the name of Jesus, peace. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, oh, peace in the name of Jesus, peace in our hearts, in the name in the name of Jesus, peace. In the name of Jesus, peace. In the name of Jesus, oh, oh. We speak peace. We speak peace. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Have you been blessed by this wonderful service? If you've attended church with us today, some of you live, some of you may be listening to this a little later. I want you to understand that the Bible says we should not come before him empty-handed. And just as we've not reduced in our word, we've not reduced in worship, the Bible says, ensure that you grow also in this grace forgiving. So we are going to have our offerings moment. We'll have our offerings moment. Um, Tasha, could you help me out? Can you come and read the details? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to uh, get ready to give your offerings through digital means. So... 
just as pastor has mentioned we have various ways in which you can send your offering today and we have at your body for at your money you have to send it to changu lulembu that's the name that's going to show on 0977479703 so for at your money if you'd like to give your offering via at your money you have to send it to changu lulembu on 0977479703 9703 I will read that out again 09774797703 We also have FNB if you'd like to send it via FNB um you can send it to the same number also which is Jangululembu on 09774797703 That's 09774797703 Um, if you'd rather use MTN mobile money to send your money, you can send it to Suilangi Sinyenzi, and um, that's the number that that's the name that we reflect, and the number is zero nine six three five eight two four five four. That's zero nine six three five eight two four five four. So for MTN money, Suilangi Sinyenzi zero nine six three. Five eight two four five four. Then finally, you can send it via Zapet to Swilangi Sinyenzi again with the same number, and that's zero nine six three four eight. That's zero nine six three five eight two four five four. That's zero nine six three five eight two four five. So if you're in any of the church groups, um, be it via Facebook or WhatsApp, all this will be posted. However, if you still, if you join us and you'd like to send your um, offering or anything else, you can send it to those numbers, and I'm sure they will be um, added as well to the description. Thank you. I bless you. You are blessed. God's peace rests upon you. I speak peace in your life. Shalom, completeness, the totality of God in Jesus' name. He is your peace in this storm. He is your financial peace. He is your health peace. He is your mental peace. He is your physical peace. No evil shall be for you, and no harm shall come near your dwelling. You are blessed in Jesus' name. Praise God. I love you all. God bless you.